Hello, and welcome to The Queers Are Watching. I'm Hannah. And I'm Sarah. And this week we're going to be talking about Kajillionaire. <laughs> Long, awkward pause. <laughs> you should just um, leave that in. Never edit that shit out. Yeah, no, I will not edit that out. Um, So here's the thing. This episode was not planned. Usually we like kind of plan it. Like we say we're going to watch this movie and then we're going to talk about it i just happened to watch this movie with my parents and i had no idea what was going to happen in it and then afterwards i was like oh crap like we got a podcast about this for sure for sure so i texted sarah i was like please watch this movie so um, i know what a weird fucking movie to watch with your parents (laughs) (laughs) yeah it yeah it was um but not for like the usual reasons i guess yeah, it's no black swan, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but it's still like, ooh, this is uh this is a film. <laughs> they hated it, which does not surprise me in the oh, least. Okay. They they hate they looked at me like I had tried to kill them. Did you pick it? Is that what happened? Yes, I picked it. Oh, okay. But it's weird because I didn't know that anything gay happened in it at all. I had no idea. I just picked it based off of like Rotten Tomatoes and a trailer. I actually kind of loved it. Spoiler alert. So. Oh my God, I did too. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that you weren't going to be like, watch it because it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, like the only thing I told you was that it was weird, which it is. Mm-hmm. That was a good warning. That was like enough of a warning saying it was going to be an unusual film. And I wasn't, like, blindsided by it, but I also didn't know anything about the plot or anything like that. Yeah. I'm so glad you liked it. I'm so, so glad. Yeah. I was worried that you would also hate me. (laughs) No, I liked it. Okay. Like, at first I was like, what did Hannah get me into? But I was like, but I do like it. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I should introduce it to y'all, like I usually do. Um, So this film actually just came out. It's from 2020. Um, It is an hour and 46 minutes, and it is a rated R. It's written and directed by Miranda July, who apparently writes and directs a lot of really weird things, if you want to check those out. It stars Evan Rachel Wood, Deborah Winger, Richard Jenkins, and Gina Rodriguez. Rotten Tomatoes has it as an 89%, but the audience gave it a 47%. And I think I can see why, but I also think they're wrong. IMDb gave it a 6.4 out of 10. Metacritic gave it a 78%. Um, the synopsis is it's um, an unusual family with a penchant for petty crime stumbles upon a cheery, talkative young woman that inadvertently exposes their dysfunction. That's the best I could come up with on that without giving too many things away. Yeah, I think I think that pretty much covers it. I like that the synopsis that I read also didn't give it away because then mm-hmm. I would have like known everything about it. I was like, oh, like they're just some con artists and hijinks ensue but it's so much more than that so yeah so let's just jump right in there my (laughs) first comment that I wrote down in my notes is what in the criminal Wes Anderson that is what I wrote down (laughs) and that is the best way to describe this movie like it feels like a Wes Anderson movie with like some weird like criminal element to it it's not Mm -hmm. as like I feel like Wes Anderson movies although they're like about adult things they have this small fake cheesy cheeriness to them and I kind of hate that and it gives me like secondhand embarrassment I don't like Wes Anderson sorry about it 
that's it felt like that but like more realistic I think and so I was like okay I'm on board yeah it's it's like whimsy but also dark at the same time yeah like even the things that are kind of whimsical you're like ooh, what's what's going on (laughs) yeah like where do we even start with this okay so this girl is like with her parents she's in her 20s which I don't know how soon we find that out we for sure find out at the end of the movie that she's 26 Mm -hmm. but I got the sense that she was in her 20s probably yeah and her parents are fucking weird and she's also kind of fucking weird because she was raised by them but yeah they're living in this like office building and it's like next to a like a bubble factory like they make (laughs) bubbles and like every day at a certain time the bubbles like seep through the wall and they have to like collect them and it's that that's like the funniest premise like I don't know why but that killed me like I loved it it was so bizarre and they were acting like it was regular like they would go quote home to the office building with cubicles in it still by the way and then they would get buckets and they would like throw the bubbles down a drain I guess it's like a soap factory but the guy who owned it like knew there was a bubble problem and he was just like if you live there that's part of you you have to do that (laughs) that's part of the thing about this movie like yes well it's so weird it's weird in a way that I feel like real life is weird so that like that kind of stuff made sense to me in the context of the film like yeah there would be like some weird landlord that's like (laughs) yeah I don't really care that the bubbles are coming through the wall that's your problem (laughs) like (laughs) He was acting like, if you live there, that's part of the agreement. Like, you have to do that. Um, Right away, though, like, I didn't know anything gay was going to happen, although you did recommend this for the podcast. Like, so I figured something gay might happen at some point. But right away, Evan Rachel Wood's character seems gay as fuck. I was like, she's gay. <laughs> yeah, she's she's very, like, gender non-conforming. And, like, it's interesting because in the beginning of the movie, I couldn't tell if that was going to go anywhere or if it was just simply that she was raised by weird people and ended up kind of presenting in a non-conforming way. Because that can sometimes happen. Like, if someone's raised Mm -hmm. in kind of, like, a weird family situation, like, they might have odd fashion choices. Yeah. And it did look like that was true of her. Like, she was wearing, like, frumpy clothes. Her go-to was, like, this green tracksuit jacket that was, like four sizes too big for her and like if it was on like a celebrity or something everyone would be like oh my god that tracksuit's to die for but it just looked weird on her (laughs) i mean she is a celebrity (laughs) i i know but like in the context of the movie yeah she also is really hot and it was hard to see her hotness in this movie (laughs) yeah like i thought they did a really good job of like they didn't make her ugly or anything, but she no. was just so, she was so weird. Like her mannerisms were very alien mm-hmm. and that was interesting. Yeah. It was the act of her life, Henny. Like she's a really good actress, like a hundred percent, but wow. Like she lost herself in this role. I almost would not have recognized her if I had not read the synopsis. I read like a very brief like snippet of an interview with her where she was saying that she didn't realize how many overtly like feminine mannerisms she had until she took this role because the director and everyone would be like, okay, you did this and it's a little too, it's a little too normatively feminine for this character. And she would have to like scale it back. And she said like, I've always thought of myself as an androgynous person, which she is, I think. But she was like, I never realized until I did this role. So she really did commit to like acting not like herself 
Wow. Okay. Well, it shows. Mm-hmm. She deserves an award for that performance. It was a good one. Yeah. And Gina Rodriguez, can we talk about her for a second? Oh my god. Okay. So oftentimes I think Gina Rodriguez is like the same in every role. And yes, she did play that same like stereotypical cheery, talkative person that she usually does. But something about her was different this time around. And she really brought like a weird life to the movie. Whereas like, I think the movie itself would have been too alien without a character like her. Yeah. She was also, I was mostly talking about how hot she was in this movie. She's always so hot. I love her so much. She's just chef's kiss. I love her. (laughs) And I know she's like, she's shitty. She says like, some kind of like anti-black thing sometimes inadvertently because of her own race but I do love her acting and I think she's hot so <laughs> oh you heard it here first Sarah's giving her a full pass um she's so hot. <laughs> I'm just not kidding. giving her a pass just kidding <laughs> we're giving her a pass so I could look respectfully <laughs> So I like I know that it was like inherently a spoiler that I told you to watch this movie because then yeah like you obviously felt like something gay was probably going to happen but it was an interesting experience for me watching it because I couldn't tell how much of my reaction to Gina Rodriguez's character uh, Melanie was her name I think yeah I couldn't tell how much of it was me projecting onto (laughs) the main character versus like me actually just like I don't know interpreting what was actually happening in the movie Mm-hmm. like in that scene they're in the diner and okay first of all we i feel like we have to address that the main character's name is old dolio oh my god that out of the way they don't explain that until like the fucking end of the movie too and i'm like who the fuck names their kid old dolio like old o-l-d dolio d-o-l-i-o <laughs> yeah i think I do think they should have explained that in the beginning of the movie because it wasn't like a huge spoiler or anything. It wasn't like it ruined anything. They should have explained it earlier, but. I thought I misheard her like the first two times. (laughs) Nope, her name's Old Dolio. The fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, they're in the diner and um, she like accidentally, Old Dolio like accidentally messes up um, Melanie's press on nail. And then she like starts peeling off all of her press-on nails for her so she's like holding her hand and doing that Mm -hmm. and it felt very tender to me of course in like a super weird way Mm -hmm. but like I couldn't tell if that was me like putting something into the scene that wasn't actually there like I can tell if that was supposed to be just like hilariously weird or if you know I mean I guess because you you didn't know that something gay was gonna happen but yeah that was sort of like a setup for them understanding each other in a way that they don't really understand other people i think particularly old dolio because in the beginning they win a massage gift certificate and she tries to exchange it for money and the person that does the massage is like no i don't do that like you either use the gift certificate or you don't and she ends up saying like okay i'll do it and she doesn't take off any of her clothes and when the masseuse goes to touch her she like freaks out And, like, doesn't want her to touch her because I guess she's, like, never really been touched as a human being in her life. Um, Her relationship with her parents is more like a partnership than a parent relationship. So she's never been shown, like, physical affection. And that shows. So that by the time that happens in the movie, it's like she wouldn't let someone touch her, but she's willingly touching Melanie's hand in this tender way. 
I yeah, I thought it was tender, as weird as it was, and as cringy as it was, because I hate I've had press on nails before. That feeling of ripping them off is terrible. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why I liked their relationship so much is because like the whole thing is weird. Like it's based upon weirdness, mm-hmm. but it's also so sweet. And yeah, like one of the biggest themes in the movie and probably why I like it so much um, is be- is like <sighs> her relationship with her parents is like a business agreement rather than a family. And it's kind of like the whole film is based around this like kind of blending of capitalism and the family. And I thought it was like, just a really interesting premise. Mm-hmm. It was so... I can't think of the word I, I want to use to describe it. The family was so unsettling to me, I think. Like, there's a whole part where they go to, like, swindle this old man out of, like, money or, like, goods or whatever. And he's so old, he's dying in his bed. And basically, he asked them to come there so that he, he could pretend that there was, like, a family living in his home. And he thought it would make it easier for him to die, to. And when they discover that that's what's going on, the parents go with it so easily and they fall into this like happy housewife kind of thing where they're talking and sharing and enjoying each other's company and joking around. And to me, that's like sociopathy, like because they're not like that. And they say that many times, like that they don't want to be like those people and they're not false and fakey. And they so easily can replicate that just for a job to get this guy out of money. And old Dodeo is like, she's going with it for the job. But then you can tell she's kind of feeling some warmth and welcome in the way that they're talking to each other and the way they're treating each other. And then it just kind of snaps back to reality that like, no, that's for a job. That's not how her parents really are. And it's really upsetting. (laughs) The whole thing was upsetting. It's very upsetting. Because I was going to ask you this later, but I think now is actually a relevant time. Because at first I was like, Melanie's kind of a manic pixie dream girl, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think like there was more depth to her character than that. And I think part of that comes out in that scene because she does also play along. She's like, oh, he wants us to play the piano. Like, I'll play the piano. Okay. And she's like totally playing along with it. And she's like, yeah, I'm a con artist too. I'm going to get money too. Mm -hmm. And then when she hears that he actually died, like she's really upset. Like she's like, oh shit, like he died. Yeah. Oh my God. She like starts hyperventilating. And like, I feel really bad for her because I think in most ways she kind of has this life where she feels like she hasn't accomplished anything. Her mother is like very overbearing she kind of feels like stuck under her thumb and like she doesn't have much in life and she's doing this con artist thing with them so she has some excitement and like it turns into something very very real and it scares her and I'm like honestly surprised she like ever talked to them again after that but there she was (laughs) I mean there were several times where she should have never talked to them again and yeah definitely (laughs) Such as the hot tub incident. Oh my god, the hot tub (laughs) incident. Yeah, they apparently they decide that she won't be useful anymore in cons. Like, she's run her course with them. And they decide that um, the way they kind of want to say goodbye to her and, like, cut her out of their lives is by um, luring her into a threesome, the mom and the dad. And the dad is supposed to, like, start it off, and then the mom comes and, like, goes to assist or whatever, and... (laughs) Melanie is like 
I think she's a little like surprised that they would do that but then at the same time she like knows how men are and it's shown that she knows how men are so she says like I'm the least surprised I've ever been in my life to him and I think when the mom comes in she's like this is too much like I think she was always set on walking out like she just wanted to see how far he would take it but when the mom comes in with like a plate of cheese and crackers <laughs> you can't you can't bring like crudités to a threesome in a hot tub in a business building <laughs> yeah it's I I do love that she went along with it though because I definitely got the sense that she was just making fun of him yeah but also my favorite is then when they're all like going to walk out like she's trying to walk out and they're following her and then of course old Dolio comes back and she the reason that she knows that something's up is because her mom is holding cheese and crackers she's like <laughs> oh my god why do you have cheese and crackers I'm like oh that's such a weird occurrence that yeah it was yeah that that moment was really funny and then it quickly became very sad because that's when she's like you guys have never called me any term of endearment ever like i'll give you this check if you call me hun one time just do it and her mom can't do it and it's really sad yeah that was super upsetting to see that she couldn't even like call her hun like sarcastically or she couldn't even play it off as if it was a con like because it caught her off guard I guess it was just really fucked up like it just showed like how much she didn't really think of her as a daughter as a family member it was too fucked up (laughs) and it was interesting because they showed that her mom was capable of that towards other people because there were (laughs) kind of a couple moments where she acted kind of sweet towards Melanie Mm-hmm. But then, like, old Dolio would come in and she'd be like, what do you want? Like, yeah, go go back to work or whatever. It was so upsetting. And just to think of a person being raised to be, like, some sort of tool in, like, a job, like, a petty crime job. Like, that's basically all she was to them was some sort of accessory that they could use. Um, clearly, they were, like, old and, like, the mom kind of had a limp when she walked and there were things that old Dolio did that clearly she couldn't and the dad couldn't like that's shown right in the beginning when they go and do the post office scam and to avoid the cameras she does some like weird awkward little parkour moves to get (laughs) underneath the camera and then she like walks in and like she stretches out her arm and like steals um mail from the back of people's p.o boxes i think what was part of what made this film so compelling to me was that it's really just an exaggeration of how things actually are for a lot of people because she's being used as a tool for her parents for success basically whatever their weird definition of success is and I think that's why a lot of people have children it's not why they should have children but a lot of people have children to fulfill some kind of success that they could never achieve themselves And then they put that on their kids like you have to do X, Y, and Z and that's your job. It becomes like you do become like a worker in that sense for your family. Yeah, you you are there as a tool to fulfill the dreams they never fulfilled, Um, which is like so common with people that have children. Like it's just something that I think we do in America, like which I think is really terrible and it it produces a lot of um, trauma. In people and I know that I carry around some trauma from my parents and their projected lives or whatever as queer people that is very apparent in that like what you quote should do 
is you should get married and you should have kids and people worry that like if your marriage doesn't look like you know a heterosexual marriage then it's a failure if you can't get married that's a failure if you can't have kids that's a failure um whereas like for us queer people we're like that's not really my end goal in life yeah and it's like that's that's why there's like so many layers to this because it's sad for old dolio on the surface because it's like she doesn't know anything else other than what she's already experienced with her parents and it's shown to be like kind of a very empty sad existence Mm -hmm. where she doesn't have any affection she doesn't have any human connection like she just has to scam money and that's her entire point of existing is to scam money and split it three ways with her parents and but then it's also sad on the level of like because she's then shown to be queer it's like you know that there's another level of like societal failure in there that then is more relatable to the audience or especially people that are queer that are watching it so it's kind of I don't know if I'm making any sense at all but (laughs) no it makes sense to me I think the whole thing is like a metaphor for being queer like it does end like really on the nose but the whole entire film is a metaphor for like what your parents want you to do in the life that you feel trapped in and how you have to live and how you eventually might even like move away from that. So there's a part where um, after the threesome thing <laughs> and the mom can't call old Dolio hun, Melanie says, I'll call you hun and I'll take the money that you're offering her, which was like, I think it was like $1,500 or something like that. So they go um she melanie takes her back to her place she gives her like a bed and she like makes her a drink and like she's trying to encourage old dolio to i guess live in a normal life like she sees something in old dolio that her parents obviously don't so part of that is like exploring all the things that the mom calls false and fakey to old dolio and so like melanie makes a list of those things and one of those things is something that old dolio learned from running a job which is called the breast crawl where you put a baby on your abdomen when it's born and it should like naturally crawl up to a breast and um start nursing and so she like learns that sometimes when babies don't do that or they're not given that opportunity like they can become very detached emotionally from their parents and other situations so she kind of becomes like old dolio becomes obsessed with the idea of like that's how you start a baby's affection and so she like mentions that in the argument so melanie wants her to act that out in some way like she's trying to give that to her to earn the money and one of the best scenes i think in the whole movie is when she takes her to this bathroom at a gas station because it's quote the darkest place melanie can think of wild like that's so weird yeah she's very she's chaotic but i but i like it she is very chaotic yeah so she takes her to the restroom she closes the door it's like completely dark in there and they're having like this moment of deep understanding between one another and then um there's a tremor and throughout the whole movie there are these tremors that like alludes like california earthquakes but it's also kind of alluded that like old dolio is creating them kind of like the family's actions mm-hmm. are creating them. So a tremor happens and Oldolio panics and she says it's like the big one. And when they come out, 
she's sort of reborn as a person. And I think that to me is like a metaphor for queerness. Like you're in the dark, you're understanding each other. You literally come out of a dark place. And then immediately she starts like going wild. Like she starts, she goes into the gas station. She like starts picking up all these different food items and trying every single, like she wants to have every single one. She doesn't think about like, that the money that she's trying to spend is going to be given to Melanie with with their deal. She doesn't think about the shitty things that she said to Melanie when they were in the restroom in the dark. She like shakes this man's hand and thinks he's the best person ever because he was the first person to ask if they were okay after the tremor. And like that is so indicative of like being a fresh gaby out of the closet and like Mm -hmm. trying a little bit of everything and going a little bit wild. And then afterward, like reality sets in on her And she realizes like, whoa, like I said something shitty. I kind of have to apologize for it. Luckily, Melanie is like, I understand. Let's keep moving on in this little journey we're having. And like, then she kind of like tries to go back in and be something with her parents again. Like she kind of tries to have that connection with her parents again. And eventually, like spoiler alert, she doesn't have that connection with her parents again. And she kind of like radically accepts that like, that's the way they only know, the only way they know how to love me. And that's fine. And that is a whole queer journey in and of itself. I don't know if the person who made this is queer, but that's what it says to me. Yeah. And I think like, especially that scene where they, they end up going to dinner with her parents and Melanie puts her in this ridiculous, like super feminine dress. And she looks like she looks so silly and I think that that's also like just this like setting the scene of like going to dinner with your parents and someone that's important to you like perhaps a significant other and it being framed in like this queer way where they're kind of like at least old Dolio is performing in this in this like very feminine dress that she would never wear in a million years and like the performance of all of it because then her parents are also performing they're performing fake love for her and they do like a stupid like toast and they're like oh we love you so much we're so glad to have you or whatever and it's all fake and they make a big scene and he cries about it. it's ridiculous yeah the whole thing is insane and i think that that's like a reflection of like it's not i don't think it's trying to say that like all families are like that but it's saying like inherently there's a chance for for some aspects of this to be performative and to be fake yes um yeah but yeah i totally agree with what you said about the the gas station scene like that was such an interesting turn in the movie like she when the tremor happens like she thinks that she has died she thinks that both of them have died and she starts like panicking which i think is like it's supposed to be a reversal of how she and her parents have been throughout the whole film because they're just kind of like oh like we just live and then we die and it doesn't matter nothing matters it's not anything to be upset about but she actually gets upset she's like oh like I like I can't believe I've actually died it's over like there's nothing there's just going to be nothingness now and so like when she comes out of that it is very much like a like that moment of queerness of like I haven't lived before now and like now Mm -hmm. I can start my life so it is a rebirth like I really I liked that aspect of it I did too best part of the movie I would say um I did just look it up and it there's no confirmation that Miranda July is a queer person um 
she's married to a man to my knowledge and she has a kid um but she was really immersed in the riot girl scene in like portland so i guess she would be really exposed to queer life even if she yeah and i did read like i read an interview or i guess it was like a conversation between her and another artist and they were like they were talking a lot about queerness and about gender nonconformity. So whether or not that's her identity, she definitely like knows about it enough to feel comfortable talking about it. So, and I think that comes through in the film, obviously. Yeah, definitely. I also love like in the end, another spoiler alert, she and Melanie go to return all of the fake phony birthday presents that her parents have bought her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's such a like it is very on the nose but like she's returning her family she's getting a full refund for her family Mm -hmm. i think that that's it's cute i like it (laughs) yeah and then it ends with like when they return it like they tell her it's like 400 something dollars and then melanie remembers like she's still wearing the necklace that her parents gave her at that dinner so she takes it off old dolio they return it and the total back is 525 dollars, which is her share of the 1575 or whatever it was um, that they were originally going to split three ways. And earlier in the movie, um, after the dinner, and she she believes that her parents have come around and understand how to be parents, but she stays um, at Melanie's house and they say, okay, we'll see you in the morning. And in the morning, <laughs> when they well, when they leave, uh, Melanie is like, if the money that we have is still hidden here in my house after they've been here, we will know that, you know, your parents care about you or whatever. If it's gone, that means they're monsters. And Old Dolio presents like a third scenario in which she says, if my portion of the money, my third of the money, because she says earlier that they split everything in three, like a troop of criminals. Um, <laughs> if my portion is still there, that means they'll only ever know how to love me in that way in their own way um and the money is there but then when they wake up in the morning they've literally been robbed by the parents <laughs> like that not a single scrap of furniture is left and in, including the 1575 that was there and so split in three like i guess it was 525 was the final amount that she should have had so when she returned all of those gifts which was the only thing that they left in the apartment it was exactly 525 dollars yeah I also, I like how, because I was worried that Melanie was going to get really mad about all her stuff being stolen, but I think, like, because she's been shown to, like, be craving a different experience or a new experience, like, she seemed to kind of, like, she found it funny because it was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Like, just the entire apartment just completely stripped was kind of funny. Like, no Um, glasses or cuffs or anything like (laughs) that. They took everything. I was surprised, like, the air conditioner was still there. Me too. That was, that was it. I was like, take the air conditioner, damn. Um, <laughs> In LA, you better take that air conditioner. <laughs> um, But she seemed to almost appreciate it. Like, she seemed to be kind of like, oh, like, I can start again now, too. Mm-hmm. And that might be really indicative of, like, a different kind of queer story. Like, not everyone has that same story. Yeah, for sure. Old Dolio's life was so weird and then like Melanie's life was so normal and mm-hmm. she was like clearly struggling with that especially in the beginning because like when they're on the plane they meet on a plane 
and old Delio's parents are talking to Melanie and they're like, oh, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I'm a physician's assistant in LA and I do this and that. And then later she says like, I lied. I wasn't a physician's <laughs> assistant. I just felt like saying that. Like she's clearly like looking for some kind of different life than what she currently has. It's clearly shown that like her mom loves her a lot, but like you said, she's kind of like overbearing and she, she isn't totally happy with her relationship with her mom either. So it's kind of like showing both sides of the coin of like your parents can be super weird and detached and that can make you unhappy or your life can be like totally picture perfect and pretty normal and your mom can love you a lot and you can also be unhappy with that mm-hmm. um how about the dancing scene <laughs> <laughs> she has melanie has old Dolio like show her dancing and it's just like a series of weird like parkour meets like interpretive dance it's bizarre and, like, with the tracksuit on top of it, it's, like, very, like, weird, like, late 90s breakdancing type of um, vibes. <laughs> it's so weird. And, like, Melanie has, like, many accesses to music. And old Zolio brings up what she always does because she doesn't have access to things like that because they don't have any money. She calls, like, this customer service line and they put you on hold with the same song every time and they never pick up. So, like, that's her music. She keeps playing. Like, you cannot dance to the customer service line. I can't. That's all she knows. But yeah, <laughs> I was kind of like, Melanie, come on. Like, you know how to play piano. You obviously know something about music. Please show her anything. <laughs> she did not. No. But also, like, it was so sweet, like, when old Dolia was dancing like an absolute weirdo. And, like, Melanie was, like, looking at her like she was the fucking son. It was so cute. Yeah. Um, the other thing was, like, I don't know why. I don't remember when this happened. But in the beginning, old Dolio has a toothpick in her mouth. And her mom is like, where did you get that? And then she's like, oh, this man gave it to me. And she's like, do you want one? And then she was like, oh, when a man gives you a piece of wood, he's saying that he wants you to give him wood. And so, like, she makes it into this, like, sexual innuendo. And then... Like, old Dolio gets really weird about it. She takes the toothpick out of her mouth. And then she doesn't acknowledge it. But then later on in the movie, when they're at the awkward dinner with her parents and Melanie, uh, she hands Melanie a toothpick in front of her mom on purpose to be like, I'm giving her, like, sexual permission to me. And the mom is like, like, that almost broke her con character. Like, Mm -hmm. because she was conning her the whole time. And I could see that she almost broke character because she wanted to reprimand her for being sexual with somebody else. That was another thing. They were, like, super pure and weird. Yeah, but then you're trying to have a threesome with this random girl. Like, what? Yeah. And you could tell, like, the mom never wanted to do it because she didn't have any sexual feelings toward the dad at all. And she wasn't, like, intimate with him. And then when he suggested it, she, like, acted, like, apprehensive and then said, like, why don't you get the party started? Like, meaning, like, you take care of all the awkwardness, and then I guess I'll do it. So, yeah, that was super awkward. The whole thing was sexually awkward. <laughs> so um, earlier in the movie, when the man died, um, he had fallen asleep. And she went to, told Dolio went to check and see if he had died. And he woke up. And he was like, am I still here? And she says, yeah you'll know it's real because it's light outside. When you die, it'll be dark and you won't be able to see anything. And 
later on when they wake up and discover that Melanie's apartment has been robbed by her parents, it's dark in the room. Old Delio goes to leave. Um, and then she looks around and realizes the apartment has been stripped bare with Melanie and it is so bright in the room. And I mm-hmm. think like that is her way of saying like, this is very real. My parents are con artists. They do not love me. They have stolen everything from me. And this is my reality. And she does stand in the door in the light for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's both like the, the truth coming to light, but also like the new beginning, the new life of like the morning light coming in. Also, I like that in that scene, they're standing super far apart from each other in Melanie's like front room. But they're like they're laughing and having this kind of like intimate moment without touching, which I think is really important for old Dolio, who doesn't particularly like to be touched mm-hmm. and who throughout the movie has had a very like negative reaction to any like any move that Melanie kind of tried to put on her, which to be fair, like, OK, Melanie was being such a little slut. <laughs> yeah, she was pretty sexually aggressive. <laughs> Like, she was just like, hello, welcome to my bedroom. I'm wearing a bra. Like, yeah. let's go to sleep now. And old Dolio <laughs> called her out. She was like, no, what are you doing? I don't like this. What is the phrasing she uses? Are you trying to... I can't remember what she says. It's ridiculous. Like, no one would say that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what she said. But yeah, she does call her out. And she's just like, oh, fine. I guess we won't then. <laughs> Yeah, I was worried that she was going to, like, keep being aggressive. Also, I thought it was, I don't know, it was a weird behavior. I think that's why, to me, like, Melanie doesn't fully read as a Manic Pixie Dream Girl because she wasn't as, like, idealized as I think most Manic Pixie Dream Girls are. Like, Mm -hmm. she was very, like, yes, she was weird and quirky and some of it was fun, but some of it was less fun. Some of it was, like, okay, you're also super weird. Like, you need to calm down. (laughs) She clearly had her own faults. I also loved when I thought like one of the most important lines in the movie was like when old Dolia was first in Melanie's apartment and she like gave her the drink and they were talking and then she was like, oh, I got to go because like the bubbles are happening and I have mm. to go help them clean it up. And she said, why? Like, why do you have to? And she said, they're my parents. And Melanie said, in what way? And I thought it was like, oh, she's right, though. <laughs> she is right. And I I thought, she, like, old Dolio was going to say, oh, well, they gave birth to me like they had me. But she didn't mention that. Like, instead, she was like, oh, well, we split everything evenly. And it's like, that's not what parents are. Like, what? At all. <laughs> yeah. Poor thing. It was just, it was very insightful on Melanie's part to be like, no, like, interrogate that. Like, which I think is a, I think a step that a lot of queer people have to go through when thinking about their own families. They have to kind of be like, in what way am I, like, what is my relationship to these people? Is it a healthy relationship? Is it a relationship that I would like to keep? How much effort would I like to put into it? Because it's shown throughout the movie that like her relationship with her parents is like a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And I think like most people would agree that the relationships that you have in your life should not be like a full-time job. Like, yes, you do have to work at them, but it shouldn't be like your entire existence is dedicated to like making this happen or making this work or getting something out of it. Yeah. I do hope that, cause I, I love that they ended up together in the end and they're just like, 
making out at the return counter. Like that's <laughs> it was too wild. So funny. But I like how the cashier was just like, mm, that's none of my business. Yeah, she wasn't even looking. I would have turned around and like, so are you gonna take your return or <laughs> do you want it? <laughs> um but I think I hope that old Dolio and Melanie have received some sort of uh, therapy um, <laughs> because they're very, very fucked up. And I, particularly for old Dolio, like, I don't know how she's going to integrate into like a regular life. Um, and like she says in like her big, like coming out move um, that you're not going to be fine. She says, I have no regrets because I'm not hooked on life. You're not going to be fine because you are. And you're going to miss things. And that to me says there's just some fundamental differences in what they do and how they'll react to them. And everything's going to be like this weird culture shock for old Dolio. So it's not exactly as happy as it would seem. Yeah, I thought about that too, of like how unrealistic it is for her to be able to kind of like just start living in the regular world. Like, good luck with that. I do like that it still, like, leaves it open to possibilities. Um, because I think that's what a lot of this movie was about. was about, like, imagining other ways of being and other ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And that's also very relevant to the capitalism thing. Because, you know, that's what everyone says to defend capitalism or to uphold it. Is, like, that's how things are. Or that's how things have always been. Or whatever. And it's like, that's a lack of imagination. It's a lack of willingness to think about other possibilities and other ways of doing things. So I think like the fact that Old Dolio is like, oh, well, they're my parents. Like we always split things three ways. We always do it that way. Mm -hmm. And like Melanie kind of pushing her to think about that is like, both like open yourself up to other possibilities for a family which can be like chosen family or like just cutting ties with your your biological family or whatever but also it like speaks to the greater theme of the film which is like think about other ways of interacting that maybe aren't so transactional all the time Mm -hmm. so I liked that for my keywords I wrote down lonely uncomfortable funny unusual touching and queer Yes, all of those words. <laughs> <laughs> Another really emotionally touching moment in the film was like when, because Old Dolio, as part of this job that she's working, is going to this like class on parenthood. And I think it's like implied that it's, is it for social workers or something? Um, I think it's for people that have kids. Like, okay. in general. Because the person that makes her go for her is pregnant. You're right. I don't know why I thought it was for social workers. And she's only paying her $20. I know, but she loves that class, so. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like, she has to, like, basically role play as herself as a child. And mm-hmm. it's, like, you can tell that she's getting very emotional about it, which is then funny because, like, her mom has basically said like oh we don't feel things like that like we don't do all that mushy stuff and like old dolio's fear is that because she didn't do the breast crawl that means that that made her detached and that made her cold and emotionless and it's like no like obviously since you're so worried about it 
mm-hmm. that's not you like yeah. you are tender and you do want that stuff you just haven't had it yet yeah and her mother at some point says like oh like you don't know anything about tender feelings you don't have those and it's like stop projecting bitch you don't know me <laughs> yeah it's like pot kettle what, what's going on here <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why she keeps doing that. Like, is it because she doesn't want her to have those feelings? I don't know. Because, like, yeah, at times they're acting like we're better than other people because we don't feel anything. But then when she says it to her, it sounds like a criticism. Mm -hmm. Like, it sounds Mm -hmm. like, oh, you don't know anything about that. So I I don't know. Maybe it's just like a a mom giving mixed signals thing. Ugh, moms. Am I right? You are right. (laughs) We can't make a podcast about our moms. That would take too long. (laughs) That would be a 47 part series. (laughs) Each episode would be four hours. Oh, no. Yeah. We'd still never finish. (laughs) That's true. I think what another thing that I liked about this is that because it was so weird, it felt like a very new and novel experience watching it which Mm -hmm. with a lot of movies like a lot of movies don't feel that way at all right like a lot of them feel like okay this is the formula like I know what's gonna happen or an approximation of what's going to happen Mm -hmm. I'm watching it beginning middle end like there's a there's a climax and then a resolution and it's like this wasn't like that and I really enjoyed that about it I think there is a point where like movies can get too weird and then they're not enjoyable anymore and this was like approaching that point but it didn't pass it so I was Mm -hmm. like okay I like that this is weird I like that I had no idea what was going to happen next so yeah I think it was really unpredictable in that way but at the same time it did have a beginning middle and an end like it had a conclusion just maybe it wasn't a conclusion that we saw from the beginning but there were like hints in there, I guess. Yeah, no, it definitely did. It did have like, like looking back on it, it had a beginning, middle and end, I think. But I think what I'm mostly talking about is like, while things were happening, I was never really sure what was the climax of the movie. And Mm -hmm. I liked that. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like, oh, this is the big moment. Mm -hmm. It was like, there were several moments where I'm like, this could be it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. You know, because first when she like confronts her mom and is like, you you never called me this, like, mm-hmm. or you could even say like the threesome thing, like that could have been like a big breaking point where like Melanie freaks out or whatever. And to her credit, she like didn't really freak out. Like she did a little bit internally, but she was mostly like, okay, I'm going to leave now. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Which does show how much she knows exactly how men are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's like the part in the gas station, like, oh, is that the big climax? There's the the dinner at the restaurant. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Like all of these moments. And then like in the end, like they were all very important in their own ways and on their own levels. And it wasn't like, I don't know. I'd like that's a pet peeve of mine in movies is like when there's such an obvious huge moment. Mm-hmm. Ugh. That's why you don't like rom coms. <laughs> Like, they're very obvious it's like everything's leading up to the moment where they're like i've been acting like this because i'm insecure with myself but now i've learned that i love you and i want to be with you and i'll do anything for that and then the music swells and they kiss and then everything after that is the resolution boring <laughs> pretty much 
Um, I do think that's also reflective of the queer journey. Like, you know, there's things that happen that are um, big markers in your life as a queer Mm -hmm. person and they keep happening and you realize like being queer and like the coming out process is a continual process through the rest of your life. Yeah, it's very like non-linear. You know, I love that stuff. You know, I love like the (laughs) queer temporality stuff. I do too. And that's like, again, like reflected in the way that like she's 26, but like she's also a child in a lot of ways because she never got exposed to the world. Um, Like we don't learn much about like if she went to school or anything, like we Mm -hmm. don't know. Um, But she's very, she's very weird. She's not an adult in the typical sense that we think of adults. Mm hmm. And I think we're kind of meant not to know like what position in life she's in because it isn't confirmed that her age is 26 until much later in the movie by Melanie. And Melanie isn't sure of her age either because when her parents send her those birthday gifts, they have 17 gifts and the 18th one is missing. And she asks her, is it your birthday? Not how old are you? She asks her, is it your birthday? And old Dolio answers and says, no, I'm 26. Like... (laughs) Which then, like, is the implication then that her parents also don't know how old she is? I don't know. Or were they trying to say, like, this is what I would have given you as a childhood? Like, is that what you want? But now you're an adult, so. I have no idea. I thought it was weird that they were like, for your 18th birthday, we would like to take you out to dinner. Like, Almost 10 years later. (laughs) I'm like, so do you actually think she's 18, though? That seems like something they would do is just not know when she was born because they don't care. But yeah, I think like there was there was something there's something about like the little moments of intimacy between them that felt that felt queer all along to me. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I talked about the the moment with the press on nails, like as weird and awkward as that was, it was also like sweet, which I think explains a lot of the queer experience, especially like your first experiences are like mm-hmm. awkward, but also hopefully sweet sometimes just awkward though yeah (laughs) but not in front of your parents at a diner (laughs) she doesn't know (laughs) she doesn't know that what she was doing was like the equivalent of sex it was metaphorical sex she doesn't know that (laughs) it's not her fault i do love when she straight up told melody she was like you should wear more clothes you're making people uncomfortable and melanie was like okay so you think i'm really hot then yeah like damn she a leo or something like (laughs) um i always wondered if melanie's mom knew if she was gay or did melanie not know that she was gay i don't know i know i have so many questions about that but i kind of like that they didn't address it because that would have been like too on the nose yeah like i like that it's kind of a question because like Mm -hmm. to me it could be that she knew that she was queer but it could also be that she didn't really know but she's so self-assured that she just kind of rolled with it okay okay love that i think too often like especially in movies it's oh it always has to be such a big deal like it always has to be like if a character has a gay realization moment it always has to be like oh my god i can't believe this i am shocked or i am terrified or whatever yeah so that would be kind of refreshing if that was the case that she was like oh like i'm feeling stuff for this girl interesting okay (laughs) let me let me like really aggressively flirt with her she reminded me very much uh, of myself as a young gay being like 
that's how I get people to like me. <laughs> I guess. Sad but true. <laughs> yeah, it also kind of like, this is probably not the intended meaning, but it reminded me of like, the very frequent dynamic of like, queer women not knowing if other queer women are flirting with them. Mm-hmm. Like just being like, oh, she's like sitting there in her bra and she's like, come to bed. She's probably just being nice. She's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gals being pals. <laughs> um, so if we had to rate it out of 10, um, what are you what are you giving it? I'm gonna ooh. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm gonna give it an eight. Oh, I'm shook. I think I'm gonna give it. I think I'm gonna give it like a. Damn, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like an eight is a little too high for me. But like a seven, too low. Seven point five, still too low. I'm gonna give it like a seven point nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because before this, I was like, okay, when Sarah asks what we're gonna rate it, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna say seven point five. Like that feels right. But then, like, just from us talking about it, like, it's up. It's up to eight. Like, I, <laughs> like that's the thing. It's, like, it's what people say about Supernatural all the time. Sorry to bring that up again, but mm-hmm. also not sorry. But it's, like, you have the show itself, and then you have the secret good show that lives in your head and in the fandom of, like, talking about it and discussing it. And that's what makes it so great. Yeah, you're so right. I think there's a little bit of that in this movie is, like, watching it was one thing, and, like, maybe if if I was just talking about like watching it, the experience of it, I would maybe even give it like a seven, but then like talking about it and thinking about it, it's like an eight. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. And you know, I like movies that make you think about it and like you're walking around your house and you're like, Oh, remember that? Like that was interesting. Or I wonder what that was trying to say. Like, I love stuff like that. I do too. Which is why I love like Midsummer best psychological thriller of all time <laughs> it it was a thinker <laughs> <laughs> i love how when we saw midsummer we took tyler with us who is a scaredy hat <laughs> and we had to like get in a vehicle and try and go get dinner afterward and act like everything was normal and that was like the most bizarre experience i've ever had it was super weird and then we like, where did we go? We went to Doghouse, right? Mm-hmm, we did. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it is. Um, and we were just like trying to eat these like hot dogs and just be like, so remember when those old people jumped off that cliff and like, <laughs> then they weren't really dead yet, so they had to smash their skulls. Smash their skulls in. <laughs> Spoiler uh, <alert>. Realism. <laughs> yeah, and I still maintain I have like the same feeling about that movie that I did after I watched it. I was like okay that was good like they definitely did something that was good however i wish i had not seen it (laughs) but i (laughs) like i'm the opposite i have been debating on watching it again to analyze it some more but i have only seen it the once and i think maybe only the once is what you need (laughs) (laughs) how do you watch that again oh it was hard it was really hard to watch there are some movies you, you don't watch twice and that's one of them for like psychological reasons um for like different emotional reasons i would say a star is born starring lady gaga and bradley cooper i will not be watching that again it is too very sad and it sent me into a week-long depression spiral so we will not be rewatching. 
this is like I feel so pathetic whenever I say this, but the movie Her also did that to me. I will not ever be watching that again. I could not finish that movie because it was too ridiculous. I made it like 30 minutes in and I was like, no, thank you. You're lucky. Count yourself lucky. (laughs) Because in the beginning, I also thought it was stupid, but then they got me and Mm. then they got me. You know Okay. Okay. Do you know how it ends? Do you know how it ends? I don't know. I've never heard anything about it. So... You know how the guy's in the relationship with the AI, right? Yes. So it turns out in the end that the AI is in that relationship with everyone that has the AI. Oh, that's very sad. <laughs> and yeah, and it shatters him. Like it destroys him as a person. Yikes. I can't remember if he commits suicide in the end. <gasps> I no. could be imagining that. I mean, he probably wants to. Yeah. He's either actively suicidal or actually kills himself in the end. I can't remember. But either way, I was like, wow, what, what a great, what a great way to end that. <laughs> so was, lonely is the theme. <laughs> yeah, it was fucked up. I was like, I can't handle this right now. <laughs> That's really fucked up. Yeah. Not a fan. And yet we rewatch Supernatural all the time. So we just, we, there's like. You know, not everyone that likes pain likes the same kind of pain. You gotta like pick your poison. Choose the kind of pain that you want to experience. Not all masochists, as they say. <laughs> Some of us have taste. Oh my god. <laughs> I like to be tastefully killed from the inside. Yeah. Uh, that was the most hipster thing that has ever come out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm like half kidding and half serious. Yeah, everyone hates us now. It really is. It really is that thing, though, of like, it's so hard because with Supernatural depends completely on the episode that you catch. Like some episodes, like both in early seasons and late seasons, like are just absolutely terrible. Like there's no getting around it. And then some of them are like absolute masterpieces. And I'm like, the the wild variance in quality is too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And that. It like the show that's like one of the many ways that the show gaslights you. <laughs> ah, you like the one episode, stick around for 25 bad ones. <laughs> and then you're like, you're watching like the 25 bad ones and you're like, was this show ever good? Did I make that up? And yeah. the show's like, yeah, you dummy. You thought this was good? It's not. Yeah. And then like another episode comes on and it's really good. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, this is why. Oh, it's like oh. the love bombing that abusive people do. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, you got me flowers and you're being so nice and apologizing for all the mistakes you've made. I totally trust you. Yay. Yikes. And then you get hate crimed. Just to update my Facebook status to in an abusive relationship with the CW. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and then people are like, well, it's your fault that you went back to that abusive show. Victim blamer. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, you're right, but you're wrong, but you're right. <laughs> I did like that Tumblr post that someone said, like, we're out here talking about Supernatural, like, it's a fine wine, but we're choosing to drink battery acid. That's, we're like, mmm, this battery acid is delicious. You're right. (laughs) Has, like, aromas of Americana loneliness or whatever. (laughs) You can um, hear that we've moved on in our grief stages a little, so. Yeah, we're, like, we're mostly laughing about it now. Mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, we've t- like after talking about it for 
I want to say, like, I'm trying to guess, like, cumulatively, how many hours do you think we've spent, like, just processing? I have no idea. The finale or the entire show? The finale. Just not the the whole show, probably two full years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's been how long has it been? Like, two months now? Like, a month and a half? Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, I don't know. I would say, like, between us two only, Mm -hmm. like, a good 24 hours total, I would say. (laughs) Um, Like, outside processing, like, sometimes you're on Tumblr processing, sometimes I'm on Twitter processing, sometimes I'm yelling at other people about it, because I know a few people that watch the show as well. Um, I've spent a lot of time talking about it. Sometimes I just yell about it, and my girlfriend says, enough already. (laughs) There's that that other, I think it started as a tweet or something, but it was like, sorry, I complained to you about Supernatural. Do you still think I'm hot? <laughs> yeah, I have to I have to ask Ange that routinely. And she says, yes, <laughs> please stop talking about it. <laughs> She's like, yeah, but you know, it'd be even hotter if you shut the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, she would never. But her face says that 100%. <laughs> Yeah, I think I I also did some processing by finishing a fanfic that I had started like two years ago and never finished. And I just like I was like, now is a good a time as any to just finish it and like give myself like the ending I wanted for them or whatever. So and I'm so glad that I can still enjoy fanfiction. I was really worried that it would just be so like over shrouded by my grief and my anger or whatever, but. No, no, that's your your processing. That's part of your processing. Yeah, it's still my, still my little sanctuary of like now I can hallucinate the good supernatural with the other gays. <laughs> We're just all in one mass hallucination created by other fanfic writers. It's great. Mm-hmm. I started a uh, a fic like redoing the finale, but honestly, I set that shit down, and I was like, I can't think about this right now, so. Yeah, I've thought about doing that, but the only thing I've been able to do is, like, really back it up into, like, past seasons and then write an ending for there. Because, like... I think that's fine, too. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, no, imagine how good this show would have been if it had ended, like, several seasons ago. <laughs> True facts. Uh, we will never be free, and you, <laughs> audience, will never be free of us bombarding your ears like tying you down with like supernatural merchandise from hot topic and stuff (laughs) they have scarves (laughs) oh they do they have scarves they have bags they have pins they have hats they have everything that you could ever want but we're not Mm -hmm. buying that shit anymore because fuck the cw but do we remember the destiel shirt on (laughs) hottopic.com they pulled it right I think they ended up pulling it because they did. Yeah. yeah. People got mad. Mm -hmm. They were like, that's not even real. I don't know. Like even I think if they wouldn't have called it that, because it just had a picture of Dean and a picture of Cass and they were like kind of gazing kind of at each other, but they weren't in the same picture. It was like superimposed. They were gaily kind of looking at each other and like, if you opened it, it said the title of the shirt was Destiel shirt, t-shirt. And it was like, so we're admitting it then. 
No, but that's the thing is like nothing about that says like this is real or this is canon. Like mm-hmm. it's just a it's just a shirt. Like calm the fuck down, everyone. It's not like they were making out on the shirt, which I would have bought. <laughs> <laughs> See stuff like that. Like I like even if it had even if it had become canon like on screen with like a kiss or something even if they had put that on merch i don't think i could bring myself to wear that in public if it had become canon no i wouldn't have bought that but just the spiteful like fuck you guys for being assholes yeah oh okay i see i see that makes sense that's that's on brand for you sarah to be like because this didn't happen and you're mad that we're talking about it happening then i'm gonna do this i'm gonna wear this in public yeah yeah, because I'm normally not, I don't really like to wear things with, like, silly phrases or pictures or whatever, unless they, like, spark controversy. Like, right now I'm wearing my serial killer documentaries and chill sweatshirt. <laughs> Why are you such a devil's advocate man right now? I don't know. Like, when it comes to, like, that kind of thing, I just want to stick it to people just a little bit. <laughs> you're like, what's the point of having a conversation if you're not engaging in debate? And like sparking controversy. No, I could not. <laughs> anyway, I swear we're done talking about Supernatural this time for this episode. Have you watched but, anything new lately? Uh, have I watched anything new lately? Oh, I started The Undoing. What is that one? It's um Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant and a couple other people whose names i forgot right now but um the the girl from american horror story um who's like she's blonde and in the earl in like season one she plays like the lady from the 20s who had died or something or her baby had died um lily rabe lily rabe r-a-b-e yeah thank you she's in it too um it's a murder mystery it starts out kind of big little lies-esque but like with a different tone if that makes sense the tone is like darker i feel um it's on hbo so you can watch that if you want it's only six episodes it's like a mini series okay i've heard some good stuff about it then if because that's the one i was thinking of but i wasn't sure yeah um i'm only i think i'm halfway through it i think i watched three episodes but um I do have like some complaints about it. Like, for example, Nicole Kidman. Love her. She's doing her best. I can't stand that she has no control over her accent. Yeah. Like sometimes she has a really good accent and then other times her real accent creeps in. And you're like, what? Like, is she supposed to be ambiguous? Like Yeah. It's like she's supposed like she's very clearly supposed to be from New York in this one. And then she's just like, oh, I'm Australian now. Yeah. And it's sad because she's a really good actor. Like, it usually comes out in scenes where she's being more emotional. So, like, I can tell mm-hmm. that it's like she's trying to, like, she's trying to act really well. But then, like, her accent starts slipping at the same time because you can't mm-hmm. multitask like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, come on, girl. You're, like, breaking my concentration on the show because I keep thinking, like, oh, yeah, she's Australian. <laughs> Australians bother us. <laughs> no, it's just like, okay, my thing is like, just make the character Australian then. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter. Like, literally, mm-hmm. she could be an Australian that moved to New York. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. 
when it doesn't matter that really bothers me that they don't just let them do it like what have you watched anything new interesting i'm trying to think of the last few things i watched um i'm watching avatar the last airbender for the first time that's not gay but i love it um and i watched murder on middle beach if you are into true crime as i am uh that was really really good that's on hbo max i think it's also on regular hbo i know you told Um, me that i needed to watch that so i definitely will only four episodes please watch it i watched like the first two or three episodes of obsidian which is like a spinoff of adventure time only about not only about but like there's some stuff where it focuses on um bubblegum and marceline and they are a confirmed canon couple in this um like they were confirmed in the series finale of adventure time but this is kind of like their adventures now and their adventures in the past um which is really cool because it totally validates what everyone was saying all along and how they wouldn't make them queer characters because it was a children's thing Oh, did you watch Soul, the Pixar movie? I did, I did. Yes, I liked it a lot. I had a good message. It was really sweet. There was a fat cat. <laughs> yeah. I was I was very worried about what the message was going to be, but mm-hmm. then they, they pulled through and they made it a good one. Yeah. And I felt like they were directly calling me out and I appreciated <laughs> it. I needed the call out. I'm dead. Of, like, you don't have one life's purpose. Like, fucking relax and just, like, have fun. I guess. Or whatever. <laughs> Speaking of which, Angela's going to try and convince you to uh, be in a band with her and I. So, just throwing that out there. Is that why she texted me and said, do you want to hang out? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I knew there was an ulterior motive. <laughs> I mean, because she wants to be in a band with you. <laughs> That's a good reason. I guess so. Yeah. I was like, beware, she has some trauma around music. And she's like, I just want to have fun. And she's like, I'm not trying to make it into anything crazy. And I'm like, you're a Virgo. You don't know how to do that. And I don't know that Hannah can do that either. So this will be interesting (laughs) to watch you two try to have fun. You're like, best of luck to both of you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just chilling, just vibing. (laughs) Um, Now that we've gone on some tangents, uh, I hope that if you enjoy weird movies at all you'll give kajillionaire a shot because it is very weird but i think it is very rewarding especially for a queer audience which i'm assuming that anyone listening to this either is queer or likes queer media because why else would you be here um so give it a shot i think i think you'll like it if you like weird stuff it was very cute it was very heartwarming i felt better after watching it which is like Oftentimes, I do not feel better after watching a movie. <laughs> As so this you know. is an exception, so. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, we will hopefully be back soon. We're planning on watching Ammonite next. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. Give that a watch if you want to, like, be prepared for um, our scintillating discussion that we'll undoubtedly have. <laughs> mm-hmm. But in the meantime, remember, the queers are watching. Bye. Bye.